Welcome to uh, another episode of Off the Wire, uh, Faith That Works. This is Matt Wireman. and I am here with the principal of Toronto Baptist Seminary and Bible College in Toronto, Canada, uh, Dr. Kirk Wellam. And so I am really thankful to have him uh, here today. And, and I was chatting with him just a moment ago, and I know him through uh, both his brother, Steve Wellam, who was on the podcast, as, as well as Michael Haken, who was one of my advisors for my uh, doctoral program. And they have both spoken very highly of Kirk. And I've heard about him for several years, but now finally we get to meet virtually uh, through this uh, through this app. And so I'm really thankful to have you uh, with us, Kirk, and thank you for your time. You're very welcome. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, thank you. And I, and I lo- would love to just um, have you start by sharing how you came to faith in Christ and how that has informed and brought you to the place where you are now leading a seminary and Bible college. Okay, well, I was uh, raised in a Christian home. I had the privilege of uh, having Christian parents that not only took me to church, but they uh, taught us. They did a lot of teaching in the home uh, while we were growing up. Uh, I actually sort of committed my life to Christ near the end of high school and uh, was initially interested in pursuing uh, a career in law after high school, but I decided at the last minute to go to a Bible college in Toronto, uh, not the one I'm teaching at currently, but another one in Toronto uh, to do some uh, training and then eventually uh, see if I could uh, get into law school. But about halfway through that process, um, I really felt the Lord was calling me uh, to head in the direction of, of ministry. So that's what I did. I finished up uh, an undergrad in, in theology. Well, and uh, Real quick, what were some of the factors that kind of diverted your course going from law to, um, to theology? Well, I, I did have a, I did have a, I discovered when I was at Bible school, I did have a love for theology. I did, I did love doing that. And then I just got involved as the time went on. It was a four year degree. So as you know, first year gives way to second to third to fourth, Mm -hmm. um, you just, you know, you get more involved in church life and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and as part of my field work, I was assigned sort of a youth uh, ministry thing. So I started, you know, speaking and doing things through that. And, by the time I finished, I, you know, I just felt, well, you know, maybe this is something that uh, I should pursue. And then very shortly after that time, um, I was invited to become the pastor of a church. So, In Toronto? Would, no, this is a, a church uh, in Forest. It's a place called Forest, Ontario. So it's in the western part of Ontario, not too far from from uh, Detroit, Michigan, Port Huron, Michigan, that, that area. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I, you know, ended up in, in pastoral ministry probably quicker than I should have, but uh, <laughs> nonetheless, there I was. And uh, I've done that. I was there for a couple of years and then was involved in starting a church. And I was uh, in the same area, uh, Sarnia, Ontario. I was there for 19 years mm-hmm. and then came back. At that same church? No, uh, this, uh, so I was at, yeah, I was at the, the one that I was involved starting. I stayed okay. there for 19 years. Wow. Wow. Okay. And, and then I came to Ancaster and was at a church here in Ancaster for three years. And then during that time, I started doing some, uh, teaching in, uh, theology, systematic theology at, at TBS. Okay. I was offered a full-time position 2006 when Dr. Haken mm-hmm. was actually the principal. Mm-hmm. And then when he 
uh, heard the call of Southern. <laughs> the siren <laughs> and he, call. <laughs> the siren call. And he left and went, uh, went uh, down there. Uh, then I was interim principal for a while, and then uh, in 2009 became the principal. And so that's what I, I do now. I, I am the principal, plus I teach systematics and pastoral theology. So it keeps me busy. Yeah, I would say. I would say, you know, we have uh, several folks that are uh, interested in listening to the podcast that are, um, you know, either in seminary or contemplating seminary. Um, I'd like to first ask you, though, because um, I want to I want to revisit this question in a minute. But I would love to find out, is there anything that you did uh, when you first started the youth ministry uh, track as your as your field experience that you wish that you had not done? Other than youth ministry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed my time in youth ministry. Great. Um, great. I, one thing I always did, though, um, was I, I said to the basically teen, young teens, and then uh, in the summer it involved um, uh, teenagers generally and some of the staff that were working. The, the church was located on a, a Christian conference grounds. Mm. And so mm. uh, during the, from September through to the spring, say to May, I was involved with the church uh, youth group. And then in the summertime, I was involved working with uh, um, ministry among the teens uh, as part of the conference ministry and then I also you know met with the staff and things like that we had a meeting once a week but one of my philosophies of ministry right from the start even with those who were younger teens say 12 to 16 years of age was that you know you're learning all sorts of things in in school you're expected to learn mathematics and science and and whatnot and oftentimes uh, in church uh, you're you're taught things but they're at a very simplistic level mm -hmm. and uh you know i used to say to them i don't want to insult your intelligence i think that uh you know you're you're able to pick up more than people realize and so we're going to you know we're going to look at the scriptures and give mm -hmm. it a serious look and mm -hmm. you know feel free to ask questions we'll interact but that worked very well i i think that the they they felt uh, hey you know someone's taking us seriously huh. and in, instead of just you know, kind of ducking the issues or, you know, down, you know, soft peddling them and say, mm. you know, these, these are, these are the things we're facing. You're going mm. to face. Mm. Uh, these are the, you know, these are some of the questions you're going to have to answer. Um, let's, let's start to wrestle with these things now. So that was always my approach mm. to youth ministry. And, you know, we had lots of fun as well, but um, I tried to try to get them to think and prepare them for, uh, for what was ahead. Yeah. So, so what you're saying specifically that, that you were saying, uh, okay, how is God one in three person? I mean, you were talking about doctrinal issues, it sounds like, or even like, right. look, like let's look at the Bible as opposed to, hey, we're going to talk about uh, why you should wait to date until you're right. 16 or, or 30, yeah. you know, or yeah. being able to then say, or going on the other extreme or, or, or even within that same, same vein of we're just going to play games the whole time. Uh, and just entertain you so that you like church because it sounds like yeah. a lot of times like youth pastors or youth ministers will will just want kids to like church because they've been hammered so much to go to church I mean but it sounds like you didn't do that extreme or the other extreme where hey you sit down and I'm going to tell you what what you need to know yeah yeah no we try yeah you're right I mean youth ministry is difficult because uh, you know sometimes the parents uh, expect a youth minister to, mm -hmm. you know, make 
Christianity exciting for those kids, keep them in the <laughs> yeah. church. Right? Yeah, yeah. And because uh, the know, parents like, didn't do that, because <laughs> the parents <laughs> didn't want them to go to church. Yeah. You know, they, they were, you know, being so hard on them sometimes. Yeah. yeah well, so they, they kind of download that responsibility onto you, uh-huh. and 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 then they it's basically you know do whatever you have to do, you know, to keep them interested. Mm. And I, mm. I just think that's self defeating. I, mm. I think it's 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 kind of a denial of the Christian position. We understand that. The, these children, though they're raised in the church, need to, you know, need to come to know the Lord themselves personally, mm-hmm. and uh, and we need to uh, we need to teach them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the power is in the Word, so you need to expose them to the Word and have mm-hmm. them rest. So I would try to work through passages of Scripture and then uh, deal with issues as it emerged out of the Scriptures, uh, as a general rule. And and then it, it did mix that with uh, you know with activities. I mean, we did mm-hmm. lots of uh, things, but but while we had them there for that hour, uh, especially during the summers, uh, Monday through Friday, um, you know we it was um, you know we 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 got into a whole bunch of different things, and and I think uh, they they enjoyed it. They enjoyed being treated as uh, you know they enjoyed uh, expressing their opinions and and uh, asking questions and debating uh, issues. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, sometimes we underestimate, mm. um, you know, younger people and and really what they're capable of. Mm. Mm. And you said it was self defeating. Is it just because they haven't been able? So so they le- go to college and then they're confronted with, hey, have you are you familiar with uh, high higher criticism of yeah, oh, yeah. like that kind of stuff? I mean, because that's yeah. really the. I mean, it, it, so it's self-defeating because they've never really had to wrestle with these things. Is that what yeah, and I don't, And I don't think we're doing them a, uh, a service that way. I know in my own experience, this is one thing that's interesting that happened. When I finished the Bachelor of Theology, I, I sort of compressed everything when I was uh, running through my history earlier. When uh-huh. I finished the Bachelor of Theology, um, I worked for about a year and a half and I got married. And then uh, in, in that day, you could, if your marks were uh, B plus or higher, you could transfer credits to, uh, to a university, a provincial university, and, oh, okay. and, and then spend a couple of semesters there and, they would, and you could turn that into a Bachelor of Arts degree. So, uh, mm-hmm. so that's what I did. And while I was at the university, I deliberately took a number of religious studies courses Mm-hmm. And there was a Mennonite faculty associated with this university and a Roman Catholic school associated with it. And so I, I took a, a number of those courses taught by, uh, and this is, you know, Johannine studies and, uh, you know, questions about how does uh, an absolute religion like Christianity function in a pluralistic society, this kind of thing. Yep, yep. And um, what, what school was this again? What, 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 what school was this? This is the University of Waterloo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So not a, not a Bible school, it was a secular university? or Well, it's a secular university, but uh, the history of the school, they had a number of, of uh, religious schools. Okay. That Wa- Waterloo itself has a, a large Mennonite population in the oh, area. Oh, okay. okay. So they had a number of religious schools that were okay. sort of associated with the university. Okay, okay. So if you wanted to do religious studies, you'd go to sort of one of these schools as a general rule. But that, but it sounded like that faculty wasn't necessarily friendly towards uh, a more evangelical type. No, they would be more, uh, you know, neo uh, evangelical or, or more liberal. 
Okay. Okay. So, and that was a, but that was a very good experience for me because, you know, being at a conservative school, an evangelical school, I'd heard about these things, but always mm. second, third hand gotcha. to actually be taught, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. taught yeah. these things by people who believe them. Yeah. Was it, was a different experience. And I, you know, I, uh, coming from my family background and my church mm. background and, and my school background, I was, it wasn't, um, it wasn't a devastating experience, but it did you mm. know, force me to, you know, pour, pull out Warfield and, and, you know, and Machen and, and go back and, you know, take a good look because it's a different, you know, you're in a, it's a different kind of atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, it's not easy to make a straw man argument of the argument no. of your professor is you're, Hey, he's actually a nice guy. Uh, I disagree yeah. with him. So it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, a, a fighting of ideas as opposed to, Oh, they're always trying to subvert the faith. It's like, no, well, he's, he's a really nice guy. And right. I, so we're going to deal with the argument as opposed to just lambasting the person. Yeah. And they, and I, you know, that's one of the things you realize that they, they are nice people <laughs> and they were interested in what I had to say. They didn't, yeah. they didn't always, they didn't agree with me. And you're a nice um, but, person too. What's fascinating is like we each get painted like liberals get painted as being very nasty and conservatives get get painted as being very close-minded. Yeah, no, I I I, uh, I found it a fascinating year. Yeah. But coming out of that, I realized, boy, uh, you're not doing anybody any favors uh, if you're involved in youth ministry or even uh, in huh. terms of just general preaching in the church. Yeah. If you're not if you're not preparing people yeah. for what they're really going to encounter, and you're right, don't set up straw men. Those are those. That's a waste of time. That's easy to knock over. Present the very best argument that can be made, and then interact with that. That's what I've tried to do anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, so, it sounds like you. So you you felt this call to ministry and had it confirmed by people that knew you. Um, and yeah. it sounded like you had a direction, but that you were also open to suggestions along the way, which is a little different than like my, my experience is I was felt, felt a call to ministry. I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this, this, and it th-. was that part of your experience as well. Or, or how would you articulate that? So, so far in my life, it, it's almost, it's, it's never been me. Uh, and I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. It's never been me saying this, is what I'm going to do sort of setting uh, like a, a series of goals. Uh, maybe that's more to do with my personality. It's been, the opportunities have come to me. People mm-hmm. have, have come and said, we, we would like you to consider this. We think mm-hmm. that you could do this. That happened with the, you know, the summer ministry that I was involved in it happened with the, the mm-hmm. first church I was at. I wasn't going there looking to be the pastor. I was just mm-hmm. filling in for a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was approached after that. And, and, and the same for that matter with uh, my involvement at TBS, I, mm-hmm. I was, uh, mm-hmm you know, contacted one day and, uh, and asked about whether I'd consider it. And so I've sort of, the Lord's directed in that way. And I responded to the, you know, the different things that have been presented, uh, as, as it's happened. But, but it sounds like even with the church that you started and were there for 19 years, that there's this, um, there seems to be this proclivity within, folks entering ministry that, okay, I'm going to be here for two years and I'm going to build a resume. I'm going to be here for three years and I'm going to build a resume. And then I'm going to see, you know, bigger and greener pastures for, you know, Oh, I need to go to New York city or I need to go to the city. And and, I mean, that doesn't sound like that's 
kind of what you were doing. <laughs> it sounded like you no, were- and, I, and no, and Matt, I think that's a I think that's a, a big problem we've got within at least Western evangelicalism is mm-hmm. there's just so many people who I call it sort of kingdom building. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's about their career. It's about every move they make. Uh, is is always about enhancing their reputation, uh, having a wider audience, and and you know if that happens, if that's what the Lord has for you, and, and uh, you have a broad reach and influence, that's that's fine, and and that's uh, you know that's His doing. But I, I think we have to be very careful. I think we need more people today who are willing to serve, you know, mm-hmm. where the Lord puts them, whether that's a big stage or a smaller stage, mm-hmm. and they need to you know serve there faithfully. And, uh, and, and do so in, until, uh, you know, they get, they get orders to, to do something differently. And have you a lot of moving around that's. Yeah. Know. Well, have, have you had, have you done much reflecting on what it is like, because, you know, when you talk to somebody, it sounds that's like, no, I want to have the biggest impact. And so I'm yeah. going to go for the biggest thing. In fact, I was very stymied to start this podcast because I'm very sensitive that I don't want to be like, oh, I'm. I want to put my name out there. I want to get big and that, but at the same time, the struggle with, well, I want to also influence people. Have you had much time to reflect on what is unhealthy? What, what is healthy as it pertains to wanting to have more influence or, or more impact? Uh, I have, I mean, the school I'm at, uh, Toronto Baptist Center is a small school. We're located in the, you know, the heart of Toronto. Um, but it is small, and uh, you know a lot of people. You know, one of the one of the things I encounter all the time is, oh, I, I never knew there, <laughs> I never knew there was a seminary there. It's been going for over ninety years, but uh, you know, it, it's it's the kind of thing. Unless you know it's there, you might uh, well miss it. And and I and I have thought about, well, you know, what am I, uh, what am I doing here, and, and and is there value in in this, and so forth and so on. But I, I think there is because I mean you have to, you have to look at a variety of factors. First, the Lord's brought me there and hasn't and hasn't re- released me from that at, at this point in time, and and Toronto is according to the United Nations, the or one of the most diverse cities in all the world, hmm. and uh, we're you know we're in the heart of this diverse city with a multi-ethnic uh, racial uh, student body uh, in a in a city that's like that, and. Uh, we're preparing students. They literally come to us from all over the world, and we're preparing them often to return to where they've come, and to uh, provide leadership not often in just a single church, but in a group of churches in a, in a particular region of the world. Mm. And you know, I I'm not in a position to judge uh, how that's going to turn out. Mm. You know, that's in God's hands. I, I, I can see, though, that it has the potential if these people minister faithfully for 20 or 30 or 40 years, mm. uh, it, it, who knows the good that can be done. So mm. it, it, it's hard to, yeah, there's, there's bigger stages, mm. and, but this is, the, this is where the Lord's put me for now. And so I, I need to embrace that. Yeah, that's really beautiful because if you think about it, you can have – if you want to go with the impact argument or the influence argument, you're having a ton of influence right now, like around the world, you know, as people are coming Mm -hmm. there and then going out and it may be uh, one or two churches in Zimbabwe or wherever your, your students are coming from. But in order for you to have that kind of impact, instead of thinking about, okay, I'm just building the resume here and then I'm going to go to, 
you know, whatever, you know, do yeah. something bigger. Um, but if you're fully present right there and, and ministering to the person and saying, I'm going to be content with, you know, serving this person that the Lord has given me to serve as opposed to, okay, you're, you're, you're a means to an end. Right. Yeah. You're building, I'm trying to build into their lives. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm trying to, you know, pass on, mm. you know, as Paul says, pass on to yeah. them what was passed on to me. You know, mm. I, I've, I've benefited uh, immensely from those who have gone before. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, in this stage of my life, I'm in a position where I think I need to pass that on to others mm-hmm. and trust that, you know, they too will be faithful and that they'll pass it on uh, and, and so forth and, until the end. So say, say you were, um, you, you got to know some of the students before they came to, to TBS. Um, what, and then as you reflect on your own, you know, path, I mean, what kind of questions could someone ask themselves as to whether God is calling them to go to seminary or whether he's calling them to No, you don't need to go, go to seminary. Like how are, are there like a series of, of questions or things that somebody could help either self diagnose or have somebody else ask them to kind of process through whether God is in fact calling them to go to seminary. Well, I, you know, really believe that in terms of a calling to say pastoral ministry, that that's a, a call that comes, you know, to the individual, but it also comes through the church. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we uh, want to hear from uh, pastors and uh, other church leaders with regards to the appropriateness of people who apply to come to the school, mm-hmm. uh, some kind of evaluation of their character and, and their ability to do the, that kind of work. And, uh, and also some indication that, you know, that this is what they've been called to, that, that there's a recognition on the part of a local congregation that uh, God has called and gifted this person to pursue this line of study. Now, not everybody that comes to us is going to end up in, you know, in, in full-time ministry. Some uh, come just to learn more about the Bible, and then they go on to other disciplines or they you know, take, take up other jobs and that, that's fine as well. Um, but I, I do, I do believe though, that there is a place for seminary education. I, I think, um, you know, sometimes today there's kind of, uh, an anti intellectualism that's, that's present. And, you know, if you, if a guy is, uh, a, char- a charismatic personality and he's got mm-hmm. the gift of gab and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, that that's all really that's required to be, or he's a good organizer. That's all that's required to become a pastor but i don't think that's the case and and i think especially in our day with the the challenges that we're facing uh, the intellectual challenges the spiritual Mm -hmm. challenges moral challenges uh you know we we need people who have received um you know some kind of specialized uh intensive training it's true you could if a person was you know really disciplined um sure they could you know learn lots of things on their own but most of us aren't that disciplined and mm-hmm. we need, we need deadlines and we need, um, you know, the input of others in our lives. We need some structure uh, to our learning. And I think that's what um, seminary provides uh, the person who's going to go into full-time ministry and, and also just a Christian who wants to learn more about uh, God, more about the Bible and be a more effective uh, witness wherever they are. Yeah. So other than just being able to crack the whip and kind of get people to move, what, what other kind of ways ought we, ought we to think like, Hey, you, 
you ought to consider a more formalized education for someone to say, no, I, I'll just read all the books. You can tell me all the books that you got to read. Like how, like what, what else does the seminary have to offer? Cause yeah, we are in a, not even in an anti-intellectual that that's one, one ream of thought. But then the other is that, well, I don't, I don't need to, if I'm disciplined enough, I can do it on my own. Um, yeah. so how, how do how do you respond to that? Well, in, in, if, if the seminary is, is uh, doing what it's supposed to, if it's a good seminary, it has people there that have been called by God, gifted mm-hmm. by God, mm-hmm. and, and who have been trained in various disciplines. And, and really what you have are a collection of specialists. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of, it's foolish, I think, for someone to think that they can, um, they can just ignore Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what God is doing uh, in that way. I mean, the, mm-hmm. these people exist for a reason, and w- and we only have so much time. We only have so much energy, mm-hmm. and at, at some point, you do need to have specialists. You do need people that can, mm-hmm. you know, focus in on on a particular area of study and 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 make it their life's work. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of us can, you know, sit in their class and read their books and mm-hmm. and uh, you know benefit uh, enormously from from uh, all that work that they've done. It's, it, I, don't, I just don't think it's possible for, for any one of us to, uh, mm. you know, to pick up all that, all that kind of information. Well, there's almost a, a it, it feels like, or it seems like a bit of hubris in, in the, in saying, well, I don't need someone to, to tell me what, how, how to think or to challenge me in that way. And I mean, that, yeah. that would be the very prerequisite, you know, not, not having humility in being able to, to go to seminary. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, the other thing, Matt, is that there's, um, you know, there's, we, we've implemented for some time now uh, mentoring as part of uh, mm. the whole seminary process mm. for all the full-time students and the part-time students who are able to participate. And that, that also is very important. The, the, uh, the development of character, um, mm-hmm. you know, building uh, friendships, uh, networking, uh, I I can tell you that I don't even know in my time as principal I don't know if I've ever had a church that's contacted us looking for a potential pastor who has asked us to send their academic transcript <laughs> that, that that may happen that happens with schools of course yeah but yeah. what they want to know is well what kind of person is this mm. you know what are what are they like you know yeah. uh, can can we get along with them? Uh, are they bullheaded? Are they, uh, you know, are they a team player? Uh, and and those are the kinds of questions that, you know, I can I can give an answer to, but only because these people I've spent time with these people. They've been in my classes. I've marked their work. I've mm-hmm. had them in my mentoring groups. I've, you know, interacted with them in chapel, and and I've seen them out in ministry teams. Uh, if if they were just uh, you know working away on a correspondence course somewhere, I, I wouldn't be able yeah. to give that kind of feedback. Well, the word on the street is that there are a lot of seminarians who are bullheaded and are <laughs> proud, and 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 a lot of times that's leveled for 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 re, for good reason. And yeah. uh, I mean, wh- wh- why? I mean, it seems like of all the professions or of all the pursuits of ministry. And, and part of it goes back to that platform kingdom building that we talked about a moment ago. But what, what is it that why seminarians get a bad rap? You know, why, why is it that, that it seems like the interactions are so, oh, oh you already know it all. Okay, um, then I guess I just need to not talk to you anymore. I mean, what, yeah. what has been your experience and, and why, why has that 
become too oftentimes a, a reasonable charge leveled at, at seminarians or folks that are going to full-time ministry. Well, I, I, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with the, what scripture talks about when it says, you know, knowledge puffs up. Mm. And you know that this is uh, this is a, maybe a peculiar temptation huh. of seminarians. You know, huh. often they say that our our greatest weakness is closely tied to our greatest strength. So you you mm. get people in they love uh, they yeah. love study, they love yeah. libraries, they they like to learn, mm. and they they give themselves to that. And and they need to be very aware mm. uh, of how they come across when they're you know, interacting with others, teaching others. Mm -hmm. uh, they also have to remember that they've, they've been in a very privileged position. We try to tell mm -hmm. the students that uh, it is a great privilege to be able to take, you know, two, three, four, five, or more years out of your life mm -hmm. and to and commit and go into a seminary context and be able to give yourself mm -hmm. uh, to, to the study of these things. That is, a, that is an enormous privilege, that privilege mm -hmm. that lots of people will never have. Yeah. And um, you need to uh, respect that. And you also need to be gracious in, mm. in your dealings with others. And you need to also understand that for all of your learning, there's still a lot, you know, there's still lots of things you don't know. I mean, mm. uh, you're never, ever going to master uh, scripture. Scripture has to master us, not the other way around. Yeah. And I think people forget that they, uh, mm. And, and, you know, this, this, I don't know if you've seen this, but this is another thing that occurs to me. Sometimes I think it's, uh, it's this pride is a reflective of a, of a kind of uh, insecurity. Mm. I think that in, in our society as the prestige of mm. being, it's almost uh, sounds funny to say it, the prestige of being a minister, like that's gone. Right. I mean, they're, they, they, they're, huh. yeah. you know, yeah. they're just not yeah. seen with the kind of, uh, they don't have the kind of status that they used to have in days gone by. Mm. So I, I think that uh, sometimes we try to compensate for that, huh. by, you know, piling up all sorts of academic credentials and mm. writing all of our books and, 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 and trying to carry ourselves as if we're somebody important. And mm. meanwhile, the world doesn't matter you know, what we do. They don't, <laughs> they, they don't think anything yeah. of us. Yeah, as yeah. I saw, it's not just a reality check. You say, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, come on. If you're yeah. if you're trying to be somebody in the world, uh, you might as well pack it in. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go do something else. Yeah. yeah well, because yeah, I, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, earlier this week, and I was like, you could mount up all of the biggest luminaries in evangelicalism, and say, you know, just start listing them out right now. You know, okay. <laughs> all these names and, you're, and then you go to somebody right here on my street and say, Hey, um, what do you think about? And, and you could go through a list of 20 names and they'd be like, I've never heard of any of them. Yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. And that's just a little check. I mean, I think we need to, we need to remind ourselves another, you know, another example of that is, you know, we've got, you know, in this area, we've got people whose teaching is sub <laughs> sub-biblical to, mm. to say the least who uh, regularly draw uh, more people to listen to them on a Sunday morning than probably all of the uh, mm. well-educated Orthodox pastors put together mm. uh, in the, in, in the, in the whole province or maybe even the whole country. Mm. And, uh, and, and I, and I say one of our reactions to that is to, mm. 
know, kind of push back and say, oh, just a second, you know, I, I, I've got something to say here and I deserve to be heard. But the, the irony is the more we do that, the more we mm. undercut ourselves. If you've got to, if you've got to always be reminding people, you know, uh, you know who you are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you've already lost the battle, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I think you have to just uh, be mm. humble and gracious and, and let the truth speak for itself and, and uh, you know, relax a little bit. Huh. Yeah, don't don't uh, shirk the small beginnings, or and, and don't right. and and also don't uh, disdain the fact that you are called to a place of smallness, and not yeah. not, not not it could not even be a, a small beginning. It could be smallness in and of itself, like and being right. content with that with that place, as opposed to the. Because I, I was I was going to mention that a minute ago when you were talking about this this proclivity towards kingdom building. It almost seems like people are trying to find their justification or of being like in how much they build, how much yeah. they do and not just content with just them and Jesus. Yes. And, and we are, I mean, we're, we're, we're here on earth for such a brief period of time, you know, and when all is mm. said and done, mm. uh, you know, we're, we're small little creatures and, mm. and our job is to, you know, to make the most of the time mm. we have to do the best we can. And, uh, and you know, you, you ultimately leave, uh, the results with the Lord. I mean, I'm reminded of that every, every time we have a used book sale at the at the school. <laughs> you see, <laughs> and, you know, yeah, yeah. you go back, you know, you go back and you, you look at books that came out, you know, 20 years yeah. ago, even 15 yeah. years or 10 yeah. years ago, and yeah. you think, boy, at the time this was all the rage, oh, and everyone was talking about, it, and here we can't give it away, <laughs> you know, a few years yeah. later. Oh, that and, is so. That is so good. Yeah, that is so good know, to consider. Yeah, because well, it's, it's just a matter of you know. Being, having a realistic assessment of ourselves, not thinking more highly of ourselves. Than yeah. Ourselves. Yeah. And considering your ends that you too will die and you know, yeah. you're, you're not, you're not uh, going to avoid this and you're not going to, you're not going to be some more than likely, right. <laughs> you know, no. more than likely you're not going to, your book is not going to be read 500 years from now. No, no. I mean, there's, there's no, all, I mean I'm, I'm astonished that, uh, you know, I know uh, my parents, my, some of my parents' generation, but you know, uh, and a little bit about my grandparents, but beyond that, I know, you know, virtually mm. nothing. And, mm. and, you know, that's, that's uh, life on, on planet earth. And, uh, you, you know, the, the biggest stars today, uh, mm. the, the next generation, you know, 10, 20 years from now, most people have never even heard of them. And yeah, so, so there's no reason for pride. That's, yeah. uh, we, we really have nothing to be proud about. Well, uh, other than, other than, you know, being wary of pride, knowing that it can crop its head up at any point. I mean, are there other things if, as, that you would be telling graduates of seminary as so, so looking on the front end and, and asking people to speak into your life and say, Hey, what, should I go to seminary and being open to that and then pursuing that? But then on the back end, what, what kind of, what kind of cautions would you give to folks that are leaving particularly your seminary or any, any seminary for that matter? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I, I think there's a, uh, you know, a lot that can be done uh, for students who are leaving. So what we try to tell them here, and I don't know what everybody else is doing. I can only speak for ourselves, and, and people may already be doing this. But I always say to them, listen, when you graduate, uh, you're, you're, you're finished your program of study for the time being. But we're still interested in you, and we're going to follow, you know, your life and 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 ministry. And if at any point in time, you know, you you need someone to talk to, someone to listen to you, we're we're not going to, you know, 
inject ourselves into all sorts of uh, troubled situations, but we're here to listen and to help in any way that we can. So, you know, never feel that you're alone or that you've been abandoned or that you've Mm -hmm. got, you've got no one to turn to. And then I try to tell the guys in pastoral theology, listen, I don't want to hear that you've gone out of here and you've, um, you know, you've, you've split a church. Mm. I, I, I want you to go out. I want you to be gracious. I want you to be patient. I want you to take your time. I want you to make sure you understand what is a, a major issue and, 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 and what is not. Uh, you know, we, we want you to be a blessing mm. uh, to, to God's people and not a, not a thorn in their side. So right. I, I think we, we need to tell, you know, we can impress that upon students um, because, you know, you can kind of graduate and you're, you're ready to change the world and out you go and, and you get into a church and you're trying to, you know, do everything that needs to be done in the first two years and, yeah. and you're going to have a trouble mm. on your hands. Yeah. yeah that's so, that's so good. Cause I think a lot of times to be able to consider that the seminary is there to continue to serve folks after the tuition is paid. Yes. Cause it is, a, it is really hard. Just like in parenting, uh, where people say, Hey, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights. It's like, Oh yeah, I know. I know it's going to be hard. <laughs> well, you don't know. No, you really don't know until you are in the mix and then you, you can feel isolated. And you know, you talk to a lot of new parents and they feel isolated and, and in a, in yeah, a way, a lot of ministers, a lot of pastors feel isolated because they're like, I, I guess I'm just not cut out for this. And they have a, a yeah. year tenure and they're done. Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true, and and they they have you know they they have all sorts of um, you know goals and ambitions coming out of school, and then they're there five years, ten years, fifteen years, and you know well, I'm not going to be the next superstar. Maybe maybe they will be, but but mm. more often than not, no, no, they won't, and and it's just adjusting their expectations mm. to that. So I I think we can, you know, in pastoral theology, I'll often I'll mm. say to them, you know, I'm going to say something to you that probably isn't going to have a lot of meaning now it didn't have any it wouldn't have had any meaning to me if i was in your situation and when i was in your situation but uh this is the kind of thing that uh, 20 years down the road you're gonna go that's what that's what he was talking about right now i I see that and and you're right i mean it's it's just part of a life it's part of uh you you, in Hmm. some ways you can't anticipate You, you can hear somebody say it but until you go through it yourself uh, it just doesn't resonate the same way. Yeah. What, what was the, uh, there was a story. It might've been, was it McChain or, or something where, where they were talking about the latest greatest speaker uh, in their area. And they were going around the room saying, Oh yeah, this, that, that guy's incredible, incredible orator. And, and they went around the room and then this old, old, old pastor said, he's not, he's not ready yet. He's not been broken. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. That, that can be very true. The other thing, the other thing I've observed that sort of fits into this pride, uh, this pride issue as well is that, you know, I think sometimes in ministry, you know, we work hard at our our our, our sermons and we should, and at our lectures and whatnot, and but we can we can almost put too much weight on, you know, individual sermons. And if, if I just, you know, <laughs> deliver this, uh, this masterpiece, gonna fix everything. you know, revival is <laughs> going to break out. Everything's going to change. Yeah, yeah. And when, when enough years go by, you begin to see that. Mm. And then you talk to people, you realize they can mm. very 
it's it's rare they can point to any one message that you preached. Mm. It's more the the cumulative effect over mm. over many years of that consistent faithful testimony. Mm. That's what has impacted them. They 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 can't remember what you did on such and such an occasion or your you know your brilliant ending to some sermon yeah. somewhere. It's this it's that you spent hours crafting. <laughs> yeah, I know. You spent all this time and what is it? I said this. Well, yeah, I think the, what's the statistic? It's that um, people forget eighty percent of what they hear within forty-eight hours. Yeah, unless they write it down, unless they take notes, and even then, sure. it's it's still not a great percentage. So, I mean, they're not going to. So, a week later, you know, if you were to ask your congregation, you all remember what I preached on last week? Mm. <laughs> no. Yeah, a little bit. I, a little bit of the pride thing is managing expectations, uh, having 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 realistic expectations. Because if we if we're unrealistic, mm. then um, you know we set our, we set ourselves up for disappointment, and then that mm. that can set in motion a whole chain mm. of events where yeah. you know people start feeling sorry for themselves and they yeah. start justifying you know the unjustifiable, yeah. and they get themselves into a real mess. And they start hating the people that they're called the shepherd because they're not yeah. taking note of how awesome that 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 introduction yeah. was. Yeah. Nobody said anything about that sermon, you know. And then you start to you know kind of think that they're not as intelligent, I mean, any number of things, but you start to indict people that, that they're not giving you your just desserts. You right. Know? And if only I could move over here or <laughs> yeah. that situation yeah. would be better. And you go like, listen, yeah. every church has uh, the same sorts of problems. They may yeah. have different faces and names attached, yeah. but nope. the basic problems are the same. Yeah, it's like a serial dating problem, right? Somebody just goes from, from person to person and think of that they're the 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 boy or the girl is the problem. It's actually well, it's actually you. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're the lowest common denominator here. Well, yeah. some of these some of these problems too in ministry are just human problems. Yeah, some of them are are, are spiritual Christian problems, but some of them are just uh, you know human problems. Human beings, um, you know, there there are certain leadership challenges and just you know. Uh, trying to direct people and shepherd people, uh, mm. you know, you, you have to, you have to be realistic going into yeah. this. What are, what are, what are some of those, those challenges specifically towards as you've sought to raise up uh, folks to go into full-time vocational ministry? Like what, what are, what are some of those challenges that you've, you've seen in your own context? Well, I, I think we have to, there's a certain body of truth that students need to learn. They, they I mean, they need to know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's, that's always very, very important because I, there's been a return to uh, expositional ministry in, in uh, at least some of our circles in these days. And, th and that's certainly good. And, and I, I, I think that's uh, what should be the case, but, um, sometimes what passes for exposition is is not really exposition. It's mm. it's people. You know, they may be working through a book of the Bible, but they're just. Um, it's really becomes a series of topical messages on on whatever they see laying on the surface there of the text. Mm. And I, I think we need to make sure that our people who are going out who have teaching responsibilities are you know really able to unpack the text mm. and deal with it you know in its immediate context in this broader uh you know can canonical mm -hmm. setting mm -hmm. and and on the basis of that bring a helpful application uh, to god's people so so there, there are those kinds of uh, 
um, skills that need to be mastered and encouraged. And of course, that'll, that'll go on the rest of your life. And no, I don't think anyone is ever completely happy with, uh, you know, with the work they do. It's, it's an ongoing process. So that's certainly one area. And then the other area is just, you know, I, I tell guys, you, you can't, I, I don't care what you might have heard in terms of your favorite preacher, how many hours he spends preparing his message. You know, like you get these stories, you know, so-and-so spends like 60 hours. And we say, listen, if you spend 60 hours a week preparing your message, you're going to lose your church. Yes. Uh, you, you've got to be, you, you, you have to, you have to have some time you spend and you need to, you know, try to guard that, but that's all you've got. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and when you're, when you're, when you're finished doing that, it's like, it's like the boy who brought the, the loaves and the fish to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. you, you bring you bring what little you have after your yeah. time of preparation. That's good. Say, please bless this. Yeah, you know? that's good. And then the rest of the time, you've got to be you got to be interacting with your mm. people. You've got to be yeah. out there. Um, you can't just lock yourself away. Mm. And at some level, even taking that that picture of the the loaves and fishes that. That at, at that level, you're saying, Lord, this has to be an unction from you. This has to be an anointing yes. from you because I didn't have 60 hours. Because at some, at some level, if I've spent 60 hours in the study, then I'm going to be able to say, I did this. Or, you know, hey, I'm, I'm putting more on myself than being. And, and that's not to say, hey, you know, don't spend any time and then the Lord will do no. all the work. Um, you know, the Lord actually imbues that work with with power, you know, the study itself and the rigor that comes along with it. But that, that's really good. Cause I think a lot of times there is going back again to that, that self justification. We can say, I've got to put in more time and this has got, and yes. other, it, it, people are going to forget what you say, but they're, they, they're not going to forget that you visit in the hospital or that you picked up the phone or that you responded to their text or their email or whatever. And yeah, it takes, takes time and, and you need to be content with, the hours that the Lord gives you. I yeah. think that's, and I think too, there's an interplay between your study of scripture mm. and your shepherding of God's flock. That is if, if uh, you know, the, 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 the biblical text is in your mind and in your mm -hmm. heart mm -hmm. and, you, and you take that with you as you go mm. about the rest of your responsibilities. I, I, it's been my experience that the Lord will often, uh, you know, bring applications to mind that you, you would might never have thought of in the study, mm -hmm. but it's as you're out talking to someone, it's as you're out mm -hmm. dealing with the situation and, and you've got, and you've got this uh, biblical background in your mind, in your heart that you go, Oh yeah, I see how this applies. Or, oh. you know, maybe this is something I, I need to mention or deal mm -hmm. with. And, and so the preparation, I, I, I don't think we should think of, okay, this is my preparation. I'm in my study. That's, you know, this is that time. And then that comes to an mm -hmm. end. That's, that's, uh, just let that phone ring that's yeah. one part of it um uh, that's you know an intensive kind of uh preparation it has to do with you know just understanding what the word is saying but but you, you take mm -hmm. it that preparation goes on when you leave your study mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and when you, as you interact with your family as you interact with other people mm -hmm. uh, and and i think it, it's that at that point where the application comes in you start to think about okay how does all this stuff mm -hmm. apply to this these people that I'm dealing with, the person I'm visiting in the hospital, the people that are going through this crisis. That, and that's what makes good preaching in the end. You know? and, and it's not that you're interacting with people so that you can get illustrations for your sermon. No. 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 That would be detrimental, <laughs> like, yeah. but, but that you can actually speak more in, in incisively and insightfully on, on a particular issue because you're like, Oh yeah, I'm thinking about this and this yeah. 
you know, in how you speak about it. Again, going back to even straw man argument, like oh, that person doesn't even exist in your congregation who's struggling with, you know, <laughs> that. Right. That. Yeah. Well, one, one, uh, one illustration of that, I think is the, you know, sometimes you get these Bible commentaries, like to say the life application, which is, which is great commentary series. I'm not, I'm not uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. trying to diss it in any way, yeah. but just because of its nature, because you know, you're, you're publishing a book that has to be generally serviceable mm-hmm. to a, to a huh. wide range of people. Yeah. It means that the application is, well, first of all, it's going to become really quickly time bound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. you, you publish at a certain date, then time moves on. And then uh, to, in another sense, it's going to become, it's going to depend on the, you know, where it's published in the context of the person writing and so forth. And, and, and so those things are helpful in the sense that, uh, they give you an idea of how, you know, a passage might be applied, mm-hmm. but you still are wise. If you, if you say, okay, this is a possible application, but is it the best application in my own setting? Well, the only way you're going to know that mm-hmm. is to, you know, give some thought to the actual people that mm-hmm. you're ministering to. Mm-hmm. And so they don't become this idealized congregation somewhere. Yeah. No, it, it's, Mr. So and so and 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 Mrs. So and so over there. Yeah, no, that's good. You mentioned uh, expositional uh, teaching, and can you kind of help draw some distinctions or even connections uh, between how does someone walk that line between application and then just laying out the text? Well, uh, I, you've probably uh, heard this from my uh, brother, Steve, and I, I found it a very helpful thing, you know, that um, it's a part of uh, Lince's work, you know, about reading the, the Bible along those mm-hmm. three horizons, the textual, the epochal, and the canonical horizons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I found that very helpful, mm-hmm. not just to understand um, the Bible passage, but also helpful when it comes to application. So, you know, you're reading the, the text as text, you're looking at the words, you're looking at the phrases, you're looking at the historical background, the, the different uh, literary genres that are found there. Then you're locating the text in, in redemptive history. You're, you know, where is it in the Bible? And uh, of course, that has a very important bearing upon what the text means. But uh, it, it's that next step when you, when you go to the canonical and you say, all right, how does this fit in with everything else that's in the Bible? I think that's often mm. uh, where the application starts to mm. emerge. So, mm. so that wherever you are in Scripture, you have to remember, well, God's not just given us um, one book. He's given us uh, a, a book that's a library, 66 yeah. books. And, yeah. and, and those, those books all interact and fit together. And it's as we reflect upon the meaning of, you know, an individual passage in light of the whole mm-hmm. and, and then our life situation that mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, good, solid, legitimate uh, application comes. So we're not allegorizing the text, mm-hmm. we're not just using it as a springboard to, mm-hmm. you know, to leap into something that we want to talk about. Hmm. But we're 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 moving legitimately from the text to uh, you know legitimate application. Yeah, because you do see almost two strands of preaching where it does allegorize and say, "Hey, just like you know Moses was dejected, you're going to be dejected, you know, yeah. re- rejected, and, and you need to have these leadership principles from Nehemiah, and we're going to build this wall around our city, you know, whatever yeah. it is. You've got this like 
whoa, how did you, how did you get the, okay, I see that you took that word and you went here with it. Um, and they haven't done the rigor of, okay, how does this verse fit in with the chapter, fit in with the, the book and then the, the, the book, the Bible um, altogether. But then you, this other stream of saying, okay, expositional teaching is walking verse by verse by verse. And then they, they never, it seems like folks never look out in the congregation and see that people's eyes are glazed over like, yeah. okay, I got more, you're actually giving me more knowledge to puff up as opposed to transforming, like doing the, the harder work of showing me why this matters. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think I heard, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Don Carson uh, say that, you know, generally speaking, we need to spend much more time working mm. on, on application that mm. we spend, you know, the majority of our time exegeting the text and then mm. very little time you sort of throw a few applications on the end. But he said application, if it's going to be done well, mm. you know, requires mm. uh, a fair bit of thought and requires uh, some reading in, you know, what's going on around some understanding of our culture um, mm. and, and how, how people are, uh, approaching different issues, uh, only then can we, you know, speak with some degree of precision and mm. and uh, and speak in a way that gets people's attention, so that we're not just shooting our, you know, our arrows over their heads, but we're actually, um, you know, bringing the truth home to their hearts as as much as we're able to do that. Mm. And it sounds like to be able to get to that application piece is is going to require a sitting down with people over coffee. And talking to them and listening and doing more listening than we are talking. Yeah, and also and being aware of the kinds of influences that they're subjected to. Uh, you know what what they're, you know what they're seeing on television, what they're reading in publications, what they're watching on YouTube. Um, you know, seeing on Facebook and Twitter. We, we, you know, we have to be uh, just aware of. I mean, I think it's one of the big challenges um, at this particular point in human history. And I, I can't really imagine that it was like this in the past. I mean, I know in some some ways, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. But one one thing that's true is that our the people that we're ministering to are exposed to so many mm. voices, mm. at least potentially, compared to days gone by where there was, uh, you know, no no internet, very few channels on the television or maybe no television at all and a radio broadcast that they'd listen to and, mm -hmm. and a newspaper or something that they read. Now uh, you can find, you know, every conceivable idea mm -hmm. um, spoken about at some length. And we, we, we don't need to be experts in all that, but we need to be aware of, you know, potential influences encounter that where, where those ideas run contrary to a Christian worldview. And how, how do you, how do you counsel your pastoral theology students to be able to do that without sitting down and Netflixing and chilling for hours and days, you know? Well, I, I, I tell them, first of all, you guys have got to, uh, I, I, I heard it said uh, years ago that a, a call to lead is a call to read. And, uh, and so, you know, one thing Jeff saying is, listen, you guys got to read. First, you've got to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. You've got to be reading, um, you know, biblical theology and, and systematic theology and church history and, and uh, apologetics and uh, hermeneutics and whatever, you know, even books on counseling. But you also got to be reading books uh, where it's uh, analyzing various uh, analysis of modern culture, 
trends, but you don't have to, you don't have to read it all. You can, you can, mm. you can sometimes read very helpful summaries. You know, there are podcasts out there where, where, you know, people will discuss issues. I, I like to do that a lot myself, just commuting back and forth. I'm always listening to either a, a an audio book or uh, some kind of podcast. And I deliberately try to listen to material that, you know, is some of it's coming from my perspective, but some of it's not. And um, just to be aware of what people are saying. I don't have to delve into everything that they're saying, but, but I think it's important for us to, to uh, you know, like if, if you want to know what's going on in the theater, you don't necessarily have to go see all the movies, but you can read the movie reviews. You can, mm. you can kind of get some idea of the, of the themes uh, that, are being, uh, that are being spoken about. So I, I just think it's just a matter of, of doing our research and, um, and, uh, and, and talking to people, listening to them. Mm. Um, you know, asking, you know, sometimes it's asking the, the people, you know, well, what music do you listen to? What music do you like? And why do you like it? And, mm-hmm. and uh, because, I mean, that's, that stuff's always changing. Mm. Uh, oh, and- well, so, so you mentioned like just this inundation with in- information and entertainment and those kind of things. Would, would you see that as the primary or one of the biggest challenges or is there something else within our own culture? What, what do you see that are some of the bigger challenges that we need to respond to and how, how ought we to do that? Well, I just think that the, the technology that's available to us today has given, um, has given uh, people with money and influence uh, a platform to disseminate their ideas. And, and, and that's exactly what they're doing. I mean, um, uh, everything's become politicized. Uh, there's just a lot of messaging that's, that's, that's going on all the time. And I think uh, that people have to be aware of, of some of the perspectives of the, of, the, of the people who are presenting the information. I think uh, sometimes people are a little naive and mm. they just, uh, you know, they, they listen to what's being said. They take it at face value and, and they, they, they need to be taught to think. They need to be taught mm. to, you know, to say, well, you know, where's this person coming from? Where's this idea going to lead? Does this mm. idea line up with scripture at all? Mm. Or is it alien to scripture? Mm. That's one of our big challenges. I think it's just, uh, is, is teaching people to think mm. uh, clearly mm. and, and mm. in a discriminating way and not mm. to be, not to be kind of gullible and mm. believe everything that comes along that's packaged nicely. Cause it, you know, there's, there's lots of, you know, nice packaging and, and beautiful people and, and uh, not, but it's, it's, well, well, what are they saying? And is this true? That those kinds of questions. So, sounds like it, uh, your, your time with the youth, uh, has informed a lot because it doesn't sound like we've gotten that much further apart uh, away from that piece, right? That there's all this shiny objects and it's like, Oh, because that celebrity has espoused this, then it must oh. be right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, yeah, no, we, we, we live in the, uh, you know, a real celebrity culture mm-hmm. where, you know, people with some celebrity status are commenting on everything, whether or not they even know what they're talking about or have any, you know, any kind of uh, background to address some of these issues. But they do it anyway, and uh, and, and it's become it's become like that with social media too. It's a free for all, so that every everyone can can express their ideas. But but in in that process, there's a there's a lack of. Mm. respect and acknowledgement that you know mm. there are some people who might know a little bit more than others because they've actually thought done about some it. research and done some reading you know <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Everything's just, everything's like, well, what do you think? Just to sort of, uh, yeah. you know, tell us what you think. Well, some people don't, they don't think a whole lot. <laughs> they, they say things, yeah. but they, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you might yeah. ask. Yeah. And, and in a lot of ways, just reacting rather than, okay, you, you have this thought, what's the implications of that thought? And yeah, helping people exactly. really drill down and say, now, not only why do you think that, but like what, what brought you to that conclusion? Yeah. Like you, we know with our, our, uh, our phones and our uh, tablets and computers and everything, you know, there, there's a big, uh, a lot of discussion about screen time, how much people, mm-hmm. how much time people are saying, uh, watching their screens. Uh, but of course the, just the physical screen time is one thing, but, if they're watching the screens as much as they are, they're watching something on those screens. Mm. And so here are hours every day in mm. which people are consuming uh, mm. different kinds of information. Well, mm. uh, a lot of the messaging that's coming through that information mm. uh, is uh, often an, uh, antithetical to you know, what we've got in, in Scripture and in terms of the Christian faith. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if, if somebody's coming on Sunday morning with hours and hours of all this information, and it may not even be antithetical to Christian worldview, it may just be frivolity, you know, it may just yeah, be yeah, yeah. fair type stuff. Um, like, what's a pastor do? You've got, you know, in, in some circles, 30 minutes and others an hour. I mean, even, even an hour is not going to best 20 hours. So, so what, what should a pastor do? What, what should a, you know, somebody's in ministry do without that? Well, this may sound uh, really basic, but I think one of the most important things we need to try to uh, communicate to not only people in leadership, but to our congregations as a whole, is that one thing they need to do every day is they need to set aside some time to be reading scripture. I still think one of our, our, our big problems today is just a, it's an mm. ignorance of, of the content of scripture. Mm. Uh, we, you know, we, we say, and rightly so, mm. that it's God's word, and it's inspired mm. by God, and it has, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it's self-attesting, and it has, it's, you know, has power and mm. it, it does have all those things uh, and we need mm. to avail ourselves of that and yet we don't think, <laughs> yeah. yeah well i just i just don't think that i mean sometimes you you, know, you i get around a fair bit speaking in churches and and sometimes uh, one of the things you notice is how little time now some churches do this very well but but how little time is spent reading scripture they'll have a scripture reading but but they might read three four or five verses or something like that mm. and I think one thing that we can do when we meet is to read, you know, larger, uh, larger sections of scripture, at least uh, a chapter. You may not be preaching on the whole thing, but just, just to read it, just to get, uh, get that biblical material into people's minds and hearts. So I think that's one thing. And then, and then with the devices, I know in my, uh, you know, I've got uh, the, you know, Bible on my phone and on my, uh, on my tablet and so forth. So, I'm able to, you know, listen to it as I'm uh, traveling, um, but but I but I'm deliberately trying to make time for mm. scripture. I because I think we we in trying to combat all the stuff we're hearing, we like the the, the amount of mm. the amount of literature that's out. There's been an explosion, of, and and some of it's very good literature. It's Christian mm-hmm. literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they said that you know the electronic devices would would curtail books and printing. I haven't seen that. I mean, uh, there's, there's, you know, more books coming out uh, all the time than maybe ever before. Mm. But, uh, 
again, you've got to you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going back to scripture. You've got to make sure you're reading that. Yes, read all the read some of these other things, but mm-hmm. you've got to be, mm-hmm. uh, I think, hiding God's word away in, in your heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's that's one thing I try to stress. Say, I, guys in ministry, you should be you mm-hmm. should be going through the, your Bible mm-hmm. you know, at least once a year, maybe more. Just just taking in scripture and you need to set an example for your people and encourage mm-hmm. your people to be, uh, to be doing that. Well, it's almost like medical doctors go through recertifications every so often, you know, yeah. making sure that they know what they're talking about. I mean, it would be, it would be really healthy to see, you know, Hey, if you want to keep your licensure as a pastor, you need to be able to pass the, these, these patients, yeah. you know? Yeah. It, it is pretty astounding because you know, I can feel the pain that a lot of pastors, they are like, well, I, I've got so much to do. You know, I've got this building project and I've got all these needs in the church and I just don't have time to really get down into technical writing. And it's not that, you know, we're calling people to get into the, you know, okay, let's, let's read a Greek grammar, you know, this year, but, but being able to, as you said, put the Bible together. And as you do that, that just becomes part of your grammar in which you speak. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so good. I, I uh, oh, were you gonna say something? No, I, well, it's, it's a, I think it's just so important in terms of us thinking as Christians, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's what we that's what we have to strive to do in a world in which all all sorts of different ideas are coming our way. We have to be able to, um, you know, assess what we're hearing in light of the biblical message, mm-hmm. and we have to kind of keep our moorings. Um, in in what is sometimes a very uh, tumultuous situation. Well, you know, you're, you're the they're the principal at, at a seminary, um, and without getting into too much trouble, uh, how how um, how would you um, if you could structure your perfect seminary, mm. and and if you could institute some of the things that we've talked about even in this conversation. How would you structure it? How would you, what emphases would you put or say, these are the big rocks that we need to focus on? Um, you know, what, what, how, would you, how would you construct that, that dream seminary? Uh, that's, a, that's something I've thought, I've thought about. Well, one, one thing, and it, it, it fits in nicely with what we were just talking about in terms of scripture. And I, 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 I don't know how to do this. I just have sort of this very mm. uh, general kind of idea. Yeah. But it, it, in mm. an ideal world, well, uh, let me say, first of all, that sometimes we need to, I think, expand the length of some of the programs. The, the, mm. Of course, that when, you get in, when you get involved in seminary administration, you find out the economics of it. And you also find out, well, <laughs> what is the other guy doing? Yeah. And, and, and all this sort of stuff. But yeah. for instance, if, if a person uh, comes to seminary with an undergraduate degree, like a Bachelor of Arts or Science or Commerce or something like that, unless they've come from a very strong home and uh, mm-hmm. a strong church, mm-hmm. uh, there's no way that a three-year MDiv yeah. is, is, is going to prepare them for mm-hmm. the kind of pastoral <laughs> situations that they're yeah. going to encounter. Yeah. yeah. So... That's one thing that would be great. I think that MDiv has got to be um, it's got to be expanded because mm-hmm. I know our challenge is mm-hmm. uh, you you just can't fit into the program mm-hmm. everything that you know really needs to be in there to prepare people and one and and consequently 
Mm. One of the things that happens is, is in my experience, is that the Bible subjects that tend to that tend to suffer. They they become electives, and there's just mm. not room in the program. Because if you you know you've got your 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 Greek and your Hebrew requirements, yeah. you've got yeah. your systematic yeah. biblical theology, all those things that we yeah. talk yeah. about. Mm. Well, then there's and and yes, you're dealing with the Bible. You should be dealing with the Bible in those courses. But I know when I was um, in Bible school and then starting in pastoral ministry, it was the books that I went through that I I turned to first of all when I started preaching. It was the mm. books that we'd already considered, mm. like the books of the Bible that we had yeah. considered in school, because I felt well, I know something about yeah. this, and this is a good place for me to start. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you know you can graduate with an MDiv and and, and <laughs> actually yeah. gone through yeah. very little of. Yeah. Yeah. of the Bible that way. So in my ideal world, I'd love to find a way where over say three, four, five years, you could, everyone that graduated with that MDiv or whatever you want to call it, would have gone through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Mm. So you could find a way to, mm. uh, to integrate your biblical systematic theology, a, a lot of that stuff in, into the study of the text. But they, did, work they, they already took care of that in Old Testament, New Testament survey, I thought. <laughs> like it, it, it wouldn't there's a few places there's a few outliers like yeah. church history you'd have to you know obviously you're outside the text a bit and and you know and things like that but it would be great if you mm. could so that people were learning those those major disciplines but at the same time mm, it was emerging out of their actual mm. study of yeah. the text yeah that's good but it would require uh, <laughs> well, it would well especially like, now with the marketplace of, of schools right i mean i'm sure you feel like this constant okay we got a bottom line and here we got to make sure that we get students and, and to be competitive in this marketplace to be able to say okay now you can get an mdiv uh, a 10-hour mdiv it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> i know well we face it we we, we have tried to hold um yeah, you know, the hold the line with our language studies, for instance. Yeah. So, you know, you. requiring two years of Hebrew and and uh, it used to be three years of Greek, now it's two and a half years of Greek. Yeah. But yeah. but but the tr- pushback you get from students is mm. well, too, too this is hard, and yeah. I can go I can go somewhere else mm. and I can do half this work yep. you know, and still get an MDiv. Yep. Yep. Um, this it's is hard. where. Well, here's another little pet peeve of mine, uh, or thought of mine is uh, <laughs> churches if churches need to mm. like in my experience uh, you know churches say well you need you need some kind of master's degree yeah yeah they never they never really look into well what is in that master's yep. degree and and if churches would say no we require you to have a master's mm. degree with these components mm. it would make it easier for us in the seminary to you know to mm. kind of set up our programs that yeah. way Oh, but that's now cool. you know churches they oh well he's got a master's, master's well, is a master's yeah <laughs> yeah well that that I think that's what's fascinating too is for for churches in search of a pastor but even even the folks before they even go to seminaries to get to why do you even want this degree in fact I'll yeah. I'll tell folks at our school and I'll say you you really don't need a degree to do yeah. ministry now so why do you want to do a degree. And, and then getting back to that why, as opposed to like, oh, because if you start with why well, I need an MDiv, then it doesn't matter where you go. Then you'll just yeah. go to the lowest common denominator, whatsoever's sure. going to be cheaper, whatever's going to be easier. That's what I'm going to do, as opposed to, no, I, I'm, 
this is going to shape me. This program is going to shape me. And it used to be that, you know, if you knew somebody that went to this certain seminary, what kind of student you're going to get. And if they went to that, but but that's kind of being getting lost in the mix of all the, all the, uh, you know, um, marketing that's going on and stuff like that. But I think that's, that's a really key component too, of saying, okay, why do you, even want this, you know, church, why are why do you want somebody with a master's and does it matter where they got it? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yes. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You can do ministry without the, the degrees. And in some ways we're living in a day of kind of academic inflation where, you know, what used to be a bachelor's degree is now a master's degree. We yeah. used to be a master's and now a PhD yeah. and now yeah. uh, postdocs. And, yeah. Uh, you hear about these guys like the Machen <laughs> who they, they did their degree in Latin. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, okay. I don't think I'd be able to do that. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, and another thing, uh, another uh, characteristic of a seminary that I think that I think is important is that the teaching in the seminary come from a unified perspective. Uh, sometimes you get situations where, you know, you go, you take Old Testament, the guy's coming from one perspective, you take New Testament, he's coming from another perspective, you take, you know, you're in the practical pastoral courses, he's, he's, he's coming from somewhere else, the systematics guy's over here. Yeah. And I think it's, although, you know, there's going to be uh, nuanced differences, that it's very healthy for students to be in an environment where no matter what course they're taking, there's a, a basic core of agreement. Mm. Uh, and so you're cu- so that so that when they graduate they're not you know left with oh i don't know what i believe you know mm. <laughs> i've heard so many different yeah. ideas but they yeah. they have yeah. a kind of yeah foundation yeah that that's so good i remember talking to a when i was in seminary um i was speaking to a divinity school student uh at another school and and i just was asking about some basic doctrines about what he believed and there was just a look of confusion and terror on his face when I was asked, well, what about the doctrine of, of hell? Like, do you, what, what do you think about that? And he said, you know, honestly, Matt, I don't know anymore. I don't know whether I agree or disagree with that. I was like, man, you're in your, you got yeah. one semester left and you don't know. He said, well, you know, my school, we, they really major on deconstructing all of our previously held belief. And I was like, well, when are they going to build it up? When are they, yeah. they going to offer yeah. you an answer? Cause whether yeah. you believe in it or not, you need to have an answer because you're going to be pastoring people and you need to be able to have an answer for folks. Not every jot and tittle, but at least you need to know that there's a, a word here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's good. We need, and you would agree with this, I'm sure, to look at all these different perspectives. But at some point, you, yeah. you, you need to say, okay, we need to make some decisions here. Yeah. Like, well, right what, what do we paper. believe? Yeah. Yeah. You got to come to a point where you're saying, okay, because somebody's going to be sitting across from you who just lost their child. And mm-hmm. what are you going to say to them? Are you going to say, well, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. No, you're not. And, and you don't want to be making it up on the spot either. <laughs> no, no, no. And, the, and, and, it's, and it's the world's not doing that. The world's very dogmatic, right? Mm. Very. Wow. Uh, yeah. know, today we're living a day of, uh, you know, tremendous uh, mm. people speak with such certainty and such authority. Wow. They know. And, and for the church to be, oh, huh. well, it could be this. It could be that. I mean, oh. who knows? That's yeah. devastating. That that is a that is a very powerful point because in this world of postmodernity, where there are so many, you even alluded this in Toronto with so many worldviews there, and and yet at the same time there is a dogmatism. Yeah, no, oh, there is. Is is against the the Christian worldview, particularly not 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 even in a you know conspiracy theory type thing, but it is 
fascinating when you sit down and you talk to somebody it's like hey man don't you you, you don't need to be doing that it's like wait a second where where where's your foundation for that belief and there's not really, and going even throughout the conversation where we've been talking about, you have all these people that are speaking so intelligently, and yet it has the air, it, it has the appearance of wisdom, but it's foolishness. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's so, so helpful. I, I'd love to, um, our, our time's coming close. I'd love to talk more with you about, about a dream seminary, because I've often thought about this myself. You know, I, I went to a, a church-based uh, biblical college for the first part of my, my time, which shaped me tremendously and then went to a, a traditional seminary and uh and i i've often thought about okay how, what would i love to see happen when you know as you think about okay knowing what's coming down the pipe you know and being able to get people prepared for that but then also being able to give people a foundation of, of scholarship and academics yes. i would yeah we could talk a lot longer but i want to take more of your time you've been so so gracious already but i, I would love to ask you Somebody that's getting ready to go to seminary, what are two or three books that you would recommend that they read to get ready for that? Oh man, that's a, I, yeah, that's a, such a difficult question because there's so, there's so many things they could read. Um, yeah, well, these these uh, what I'm going to say, there these are older. Some of them are older books, but they're books that I personally continue to find very helpful and refreshing but you know they could be supplemented by all kinds of other things as well but uh i still i still uh like the book knowing god by Mm -hmm. packer i mean that's been around for a while but if someone going to someone going into ministry going to schools Mm -hmm. uh, you know basically studying theology I think what that book uh, communicates is that you know it's one thing to know about god but it's another Mm -hmm. thing to know god yeah yeah, and that's our that's our goal. So that that's always been a very yeah. helpful book. Pilgrim's Progress. Mm. You know, there's a there's an old book, but if you're going into ministry, it's it's a reminder that mm. you know the Christian life is a is a walk, is a journey. It's got all kinds of ups and downs, all kinds of uh, you know obstacles uh, along the way, and that not everybody's walk is exactly the same. You know, the Lord has different uh, paths for people uh, to take. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I think that's helpful for mm-hmm. someone going into ministry to understand. And then <laughs> kind of, even rereading it, right? Like, oh, I feel like I'm in the pit of despair. <laughs> oh, <the laughs> of despond. Okay, yep, yep. That's where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's an old book, uh, and you think, oh, well, that's that's a long time ago. But it's still, yeah. I think, because it's so based in scripture mm-hmm. that there's a. It says some very important things that we don't want yeah. to forget in yeah. the midst of it all. Cool. And then the other, the other book that I still have students in pastoral theology read, I have them read a lot of new stuff, but mm-hmm. I, I still have them read lectures to my students. by uh, Yeah. Yeah. Because that guy, yeah. I mean, uh, he, he just, you know, if you, if you were to change, you know, modernize some of the language and whatnot yeah. and some of the illustrations, uh, it just speaks to issues that mm-hmm. are always going to be there as long as people are in pastoral ministry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I, now I could add other, I, I could add other books, a uh, true spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very good book. Yeah. Uh, I still enjoy reading redemption accomplished and applied by, by, mm-hmm. <laughs> by John yeah. Murray. Yeah. yeah. And, and in terms of a more modern one, like Carson's gagging of God, just, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, thinking about the culture in which we're a part uh, no. is, is a very good book, very helpful. Is there, is there a particular lecture, uh, going back to Spurgeon, is there a particular lecture that you found, have, have found that you've gone back to again and again? Well, his one on, uh, you know, the minister's fainting fits, <laughs> you know, dealing with. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. With, uh, that one, a, a blind eye and a deaf ear. Yeah, yes. Very, no, he, he's just, he deal. I think what the genius of him is he deals with, uh, with uh, like pastors as, as human beings, as men. Mm. and and mm. and uh subject to all of the uh you know the problems the discouragement the temptation mm. to be proud the yeah uh, putting on airs and he, he's just so good in what he has to say about yeah oh almost wish you could have a witch of endor to raise him up and <laughs> ask him some questions you know yeah. like man i could really use some because I mean, he he's very honest about his his own struggles himself, you know, and and, and yes. I mean, I think that's why Bunyan is so helpful too in Pilgrim's Progress, and yeah, yeah, that's great, that's great. Yeah. Well, Kirk, thank you so much. This has been very good and so helpful, and I know that a lot of people will be served with with what you were able to share. And uh, I was wondering if you could do us the favor and just closing us in prayer. Sure, be happy to do that, Matt. Great, thank you. Father, we thank you for this uh, chance to talk uh, by means of the technology that's available to us today. And I thank you for uh, Matt and his ministry, this podcast, and I pray that you'd use it for your uh, glory and it would be helpful to your people. And I pray that you would um, be with us in these days as we seek to bear a faithful testimony to your truth. We pray that you bless that truth and and use it in wonderful ways to uh, save your people and to uh, build up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ until the day when he comes again. Uh, we pray all of these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.